Koi keles puk, Lord. Koi puk be puk. Yo bo ma bo jesu vi se mo chu Welcome back. That was a special treat for everyone to open this episode of the Hit or Miss Star Trek podcast. A little bit of the Klingon Warriors anthem, because today we're going to be reviewing uh, the episode that made that anthem canon, Deep Space Nine's Soldiers of the Empire from the fifth season. Uh, very heavily Klingon-based episode. Don't worry, we'll we'll get there, but we have uh, the usual bits and pieces to get to first. But yeah, very important episode. Uh, but I, I, I am your usual host, uh, Mike Wilson, and I am... Uh, just here with one guest today, uh, someone that had to jump in last minute, so we we'll, we thank her very much, uh, and we welcome Adrienne back to the podcast. <laughs> welcome. Badadi bababibab mako. Here I am. I love that song. It's the best. I'm so glad you sing it. Yay. <laughs> you appreciate my little Klingon sing, uh, singing rendition then? <laughs> yes, I appreciate it. Yep. Oh, <laughs> it's awesome. awesome. Hello uh, and hello, hello. <laughs> Yeah, you'll have heard Adrienne on the podcast and on our Silver Screen podcast before. She had to jump in last minute because we had a, a scheduling snafu and, you know, various things going on. But uh, I, I did want her to look at this episode, and this is the last episode before we go on a little wee break. Don't worry, we uh, we broke the season into two halves this year uh, to try and get everything done with the, this and the Silver Screen podcast. I am hoping to get together a top ten that will air in between, and the break will only be a matter of, I think, four or five weeks before we start part two and jump into some more Klingon episodes and finish with a movie as usual. So fear not, we will return, but this is going to be your last one for now. This is episode six of the season. So yeah, I wanted to, uh, to make sure we had plenty to talk about. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, if you are new here, the podcast, as I always say, breaks down into sections. Uh, we basically do a little getting to know you. We do the famous hit or miss section. Uh, and then we jump into the review of the episode in question, which I've already said is uh, this week is going to be the Deep Space Nine's Soldiers of the Empire. So uh, I have Adrienne here as a guest. So Adrienne, you have been on before. Is that right on this podcast? I have been here. Yes. It's a welcoming yes. place. Yes. Awesome. So we have already been through your sort of the, your, your journey to Star Trek, what drew you to it and uh, your favorite kind of episodes and things. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we know if anybody's been listening, you guys know that uh, Deep Space Nine is my favorite show just because of the complexity of the characters and um, et cetera. I, I like all of them. I've just recently caught up last night with all the Strange New World episodes and I'm mm. ready to go. Star Trek is is always in my brain. Awesome. Well, uh, I won't be asking you those questions, but I will jump into the. I, I do have a little tiny bit of a, a d, you know, a debrief to do. So I will jump into the section that I call healing frequencies open. <laughs> healing frequencies open, sir. There we go. And I'll cue the little sound bite. So, as I say, Adrian, we've asked you all of the kind of the big questions the last time you were on, but um, I was going to ask, and you've already touched upon it, um, because we're in the midst of kind of new Star Trek airing. Had you been watching it, and you said you've, you're all caught up with Strange New Worlds now. Yeah, actually, I got caught up last night because I, f I was feeling like I was out of the loop. So uh, I watched them all last night. And yeah, I'm liking it. I like the show. I just cool. one thing I like about the show, actually, because I usually listen, I'm doing million things. So I'm listening on my phone app. And just the music is great. The background music. I mean, I, it doesn't really uh, when you're watching it, you're watching what your characters do. But, you know, I just love to listen to it and I get to hear all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, Nami Melomad, I think, is the composer for Strange New Worlds and 
for Prodigy and fantastic work. Yeah. Awesome, uh, awesome songs and things. Yeah, definitely. So without giving too much away, because we will probably be reviewing these episodes at some point. I know we definitely do have uh, one of the season two episodes that we're going to be looking at in depth soon. Uh, how are you finding the season after three episodes at time of recording? I, I'm liking it. I, I really loved the show about Una, like um, mm. her Illyrian background. Yes. I just love that. I, I've only seen it once. And so far, that's the that's the only one I want to rewatch uh, from the mm. season two so far. I want to do a deep dive into that one and and just yeah, watch the whole that. thing. Her lawyer is incredible. And they were childhood. Uh, they knew each other. And it's mm. I mean, just me trying not to spoil everything. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to remember that. I, I feel really, uh, I feel really guilty because I can't remember the name of that actress, and she was fantastic. Oh, wasn't One of those she? Performances oh. where you're like, wow, she's coming as a guest star, and she absolutely crushed it. And I really hope this doesn't prevent her from coming back somehow in a different role or in a recurring role because she was so good. So, oh, wasn't she? Yeah. And I'm sitting here thinking, oh, please, can she come back sometime? Please, because mm. she, she she stole every scene like i couldn't look anywhere else mm -hmm. except her that's how i know like someone's such a great actor yeah and when you literally are coming in with the viewpoint of like i hate starfleet to a star trek show and you still <laughs> leave, thinking i don't care i love you <laughs> yeah you're 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 amazing you hate everything i'm about but you're still amazing <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah. <laughs> awesome that's fair enough uh yeah that's cool that's fair enough then and uh so the, the other kind of the only sort of big question that I have that I, I wouldn't have necessarily asked you is related to the, the sort of theme that we're carrying on for this season. Uh, so it would be, do you have any favorite Klingon themed episodes or stories, like story arcs or characters, anything you'd like to shout out as being a particular favorite to do with the Klingons? Oh, geez. Well, OK, I love Lursa and Bator. OK, that's just mm. true because they're so ugh, they're just they're, they're, they're just everything you didn't ever think you'd see in Star Trek. There they are. Um, I love them. I um, I love Martok. I love mm. everything he's been through. He's my guy. Um, I just, I, I love his whole storyline of being uh, imprisoned and, and losing his eye there. And of course, you know, I love those episodes. Um, but I, I'd say that. I mean... Everybody loves Worf. It's easy to love Worf. Um, I think well, everybody I except love... Lady Vian, apparently. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so refreshing. But I'm just going to put out uh, the rest of the world. You know, you you, you know yeah. Worf. You love him. He's he's a great character. He brings so much to it. But um, I think Martok has that grit. Mm. So I like him. Yeah. It's weird you gave those answers because we talked, obviously, in the uh, Redemption review, we talked in depth about the Dura sisters and we were all kind of, we were all in awe. We all thought they were fantastic characters, so we agree. And even Vianne, who's not a fan of the Klingons, was like she loved Martok because she loved his uh, relationship, like his, his devotion to his wife that you see on a couple of occasions. Oh, and, yes. Uh, I, I, yeah. I, I, that's just my, yeah, that she, yeah. <laughs> I love that because he just <laughs> loves her. And of course, like we meet his son. But, you know, he doesn't come back into it. But we meet Drex, you know, mm -hmm. in the way of the warrior, son of Martok. And he's, I mean, it's a family. And anyone who listens to this know I love all the little Star Trek families. So, yeah, yeah. awesome. And uh, we'll get into the rest of it later because obviously this is, uh, we, we did talk briefly about 
Uh, again, harking back to the Redemption review, uh, we talked about how there are lots of different kinds of relationships and love relationships in Star Trek. And I think it was Jeff who said one of his favorite love relationships was Worf and Martok. And it doesn't have to mean, you know, queer coded or romantic relationships. It's just there's clearly a really strong bond there. And I, I was thinking of that a lot when I was writing the notes for this episode, because I was like, yeah, this episode is where it really, you really get the point of what Jeff was saying in that one and kind of the relationship between the two of them. And yeah, really won't spoil do. it here, but. Right, you really do. That's true. And, and um, another Klingon that I really like is, um, although she's only around for a bit, is Groka. Oh yeah, she only did <laughs> like two episodes, but she was and really she's good. Yeah, so great. I mean, a lot of people don't like it when Quark has love relations and all that stuff, and he has these funny situations. But I just liked them together a lot. I mean, you need the humor. I mean, come on. Yeah, I thought it was good. I thought that was doing well. I mean, not I all of the Ferengi yeah. storylines are, but yeah. I really liked I that like... one, the whole House of Quark and, yeah, and House Wolf of Quark. coming into it. <laughs> <I know. laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I like Groka. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's fair enough. Uh, I did want, just briefly before we jump into the hit or miss section, I did want to touch on the whole uh, situation currently with Star Trek Prodigy, uh, just to touch base, because I did already talk about it in a previous episode, which will now be a couple of weeks old. Uh, I'm sort of hoping that by the time this is edited and goes out that this might be redundant, but I'm also, you know, <laughs> uh, not optimistic as, as much as I would like to be. So I, I just wanted to let everyone know, uh, yeah, obviously you know the situation with Prodigy, uh, Adrian, mm -hmm. I'd have to fill you in. Oh, you um, don't. Uh -uh. <laughs> Although your yeah. uh, Discord shocking thing was the first thing that that um, informed me about it. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it was the same with, uh, yeah. <laughs> same with me, yeah, because Toby had posted, oh, I can't believe all these streaming shows cancelling things, and it had a list. The article listed, like, the three Paramount Plus shows, and I saw Prodigy on there, and my heart just sank. I was like, what? And then to find out it was deleted and everything. So mm. suffice to say, we are still on the campaign trail to try and uh, save Prodigy, so... Do keep, if you are, please use the uh, the hashtag Save Star Trek Prodigy. Uh, do always keep hashtagging the show itself. Do uh, keep re-watching if you can, if you have access to the uh, first half of season one on Blu-ray or DVD. I do know that um, they are selling the season digitally on all of the major platforms like Google Play, YouTube, uh, Amazon, etc. So I did actually purchase the entire season digitally. Uh, I don't trust digital, but I trust it more than waiting for Paramount Plus to put the show back Agreed. on. So, um yeah, totally. so at least uh, I have the first half season on physical media with the second half not out yet. I wanted to make sure I at least had them there to watch. So I, uh, I've i done that as well. I'm not saying you have to, but if you, if you wanted to, the option is there. Uh, and do keep checking, do keep you know buying. If you're in the US, I think a lot of the toys are on sale now. Can't really get yeah. them over here in the UK, but yeah. <laughs> buy the toys, buy the books, let, you know, let Paramount know right. that you... You are interested go on the paramount store or the star trek store uh, look for prodigy merchandise and uh, yeah just keep the keep the fires burning we're, we're hopeful that something's going to happen all of the showrunners are kind of saying they can't say much but they're cautiously optimistic it'll get at least that second season that's being produced picked up to air somewhere so fingers crossed that happens and that we actually get a physical release of what's there as well so absolutely um, <laughs> Yeah, as I said, I will leave uh, the link to the petition that I also shared last time in the episode description. Uh, if you haven't signed that, just sign it just to let just to let Paramount know, you know, there are fans of the show out there. They seem to think that there wasn't and they could just delete it. And we want to let them know at least, that you know, people are there that care. And yeah, we're here. <laughs> exactly yeah a lot of people were a lot of people fans of the show <laughs> um but yeah similarly if you did want to take some more action uh, i have found out there is another way if you have access to email 
you can email the address investorrelations at viacbs.com. That's all one word, no spaces or anything. I'll, again, leave it in the description. Um, and just let them know, you know, that you're not happy about it. You're not going to be subscribing to their service and paying them. It's a loss of money and of earnings for them, and it was a poor decision. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't, we don't want to, you know, take a harassing tone or anything like that, but let's just let them know our love for the show and that, uh, you know, we're not paying for things to be deleted from your service. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah, and again, there's a lot of choice and a lot of services out there. And uh, I do know one of the people that had emailed had actually sort of posted to say as an idea of what to say, you could try something like this. And they'd said, look, I've cancelled Netflix. I've cancelled, you know, these others, Prime Video or Apple TV. There's so many streaming services. Paramount Plus, the one thing that kind of that was the, the lure for, the, for him was Star right. Trek. And if they're going to start deleting it, then why pay? So... Yeah, doesn't seem smart, but anyway, we'll uh, we'll leave that there for this week because it's not a particularly pleasant thing to think about. No, it isn't. And uh, yeah, <laughs> um, we are going to uh, move on into our next section, which is Adrian's favourite section, <laughs> uh, the one that gives the podcast its name, the infamous hit or miss section. <laughs> what about my performance? I'm not a drama critic. Before we uh, start hit or miss, may I ask you one question about your Avi? Sure, yeah. Is that gach in your hand? It is gach in my hand. <laughs> Very I'm, uh, fresh. <laughs> I'm pleased you mentioned that because I never think to mention it and I want to shout it out uh, in the episode. It's actually, uh, I can't, I don't know her kind of official, you know, real name, but it's a person called Marcy Starfleet who does her own kind of art and stuff. Yes. And she created her own site where you basically create your own little um, Star Trek <laughs> avatars and you can right. customize it any way you like with any items and, you know, all of almost all of the uniforms, little things like Gak and the Klingon Baldricks <laughs> and, you know, bottles of wine and cool backgrounds and stuff. So I'll leave a link to her um, site if you want to go and make your own. Just make yes, sure that you great. do credit her. Um, course, yeah, yeah, so awesome. I really appreciate that because it's what I've been using this season. And <laughs> all I've been doing is kind of subtly changing the uniform. So <laughs> if you haven't noticed in the background, now Adrienne has blown it for you. <laughs> After six episodes, if you haven't noticed, though, you probably should have by now that I always match it to whichever uh, series we're reviewing. Yeah. So I I'm currently wearing a DS9 uniform, if you can see it hidden in there. So. <laughs> oh, I see the uniform, but it could be. I'm just making sure it's gach and not like some modern blue hat corner of a tribble, you know. I'm just making sure <laughs> no, it's it, actual gach. There is the option to have tribbles in your hand. Right. On there sure. well. <laughs> this is so much better. All kinds of things. Right, yeah, okay. I had to go with the Klingon thing. I was like, I'm going to put the Klingon baldric over the uniform and I'm going to be holding a plate of gach. Well, you're there. It, it was All either that or try and look wine. for, you know, I, I was looking for something that approximated blood wine, but it looked like <laughs> either, you know, just human wine or Romulan ale. And I was like, ah, that's, mm -hmm. Klingons would never. Never. <laughs> yeah. Ugh, horrible. Horrible stuff. So, so anyway, um, I know that you, uh, you've you said before you kind of dread the hit or miss section. So do stay calm, Adrian. Um, <laughs> if, you, uh, if you're new to the podcast or you're just a little bit unsure, the hit or miss section is basically where I pick uh, a number of things just completely at random without letting the guest or anyone know uh, in advance. I pick them, put them up on the screen, shout them out, and then we ask our guests if they think it's a hit or a miss. I give my opinion. We try and come to a consensus either way, and we move on. Uh, this week, I have seven on deck because it's a slightly shorter episode that we're reviewing, so we'll see if we get to them all, depending how long we're discussing and debating. Uh, right, so, Adrienne, are you ready for the first one? I am standing by to feel silly. 
<laughs> Bear with because I'm just getting the image to pop up on YouTube because it's always good to have visual aids. And if you're watching on our YouTube channel, you can see as well. Sometimes we need our memory jogged when it comes to certain episodes or themes or something. So, yeah, the first thing then on our list for today. Oh, I should have said, by the way, I always forget to say this. I I'm, I do kind of drop in things that are related to the theme that we're doing now that we're doing theme series. So you will see a few Klingon related things popping up in here. Um, but not entirely because I didn't want it to just overtake the hit or miss section. So there'll be some that will be relevant, but not all of them. Uh, because the first thing here isn't particularly Klingon related or at all. Uh, it's a ship. And uh, I want to know your thoughts, Adrian, on the Andorian battlecruiser Kumari. Is it a hit or a miss? And there it is. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I like the Andorians. I just don't know much about the Kumari. So do tell. Uh, the Kamari is the flagship, and it's basically the ship that Shran uh, is in command yeah, of throughout Shran, Enterprise. Shran ship. Yeah, Shran. I like so Shran. I mean, it's, it, it, there's nothing special about it in terms of it looks like every other Andorian battlecruiser, but I just particularly wanted to shout that out because it's it's Jeffrey Combs' ship. <laughs> oh, I love how oh God, I love him. But doesn't it look like a, a pair of clippers with all the attachments? <laughs> like it's oh, a hair clipper, word. right? With all the attachments over the side. <laughs> Just oh, no. Just checking. We've no, had a, okay. we've had a Klingon bird of prey that looked like the Winnebago from Spaceballs, and now you've, <laughs> you've got an Andorian ship that looks like I'm just, uh, I'm just checking, just, you know, like razor, like I, modern day. Okay. I can't say I've seen that. I love the design personally because it just looks. I don't know why. It just it looks yeah. suitably spaceshipy. It <laughs> yeah. It's it's got that weird kind of like aerodynamic, even though there's no reason for it to look aerodynamic <laughs> in space. It just looks cool. And uh, it's just, it it does the thing which you kind of want, which is it's instantly recognizable, which you kind of need for one of the key Starfleet Federation species, you know? Um, Actually, you really do need stuff that is completely different. There's no way you're going to confuse it with something else, especially in a yeah. Star Trek world. So, yeah. It's a hit yeah, it because to... it's Jeffrey Combs is part of this. So I love him. <laughs> if he's involved, it's clearly a hit. Well, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no, I, I think it's it's good. Every time I've seen it, it, it's it's kind of it stands out as being what it is because it's appeared in like lower decks and things, and you can always kind of point to it and go, "That's an Andorian ship," and I recognise that it is, which is always a good, uh, like I said, a good sign. You, you always want that lineage. You want to be able to to know, you know, that's a Vulcan ship, that's an Andorian, mm -hmm. that's a Starfleet ship, mm -hmm. obviously. Agreed. So, Agreed. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, I just think it's cool. Plus, I can, uh, in terms of uh, what happens on screen, I just love when uh, it kind of comes in last minute to save uh, Enterprise and help them to combat the Zindi weapon at the end of season yes. three. I love the uh, Zindi. I wish they did more Zindi stuff, but that's just me. I yeah. like that, that whole thing. We did, uh, we did briefly see a very weird-looking Zindi insectoid in the future in Star Trek <laughs> Discovery, but yeah. 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 <laughs> All we know is that they're on friendly terms. <laughs> that's a plus, so. yeah. Which I guess, yeah, considering what happened, <laughs> that's all right. So, yeah, I think uh, we're both going to say the Kumari or just general Andorian battlecruisers are a hit. So that was relatively painless, <laughs> hopefully for you. So we're going to move on to the second thing then for this week, uh, if I can find it. The second thing is going to be Klingon related. It's a character uh, from Discovery, and it is the character of Lorel played by Mary Chifo, the mother of Klingons herself. Would you say she's a hit or a miss? <laughs> I, I definitely think that she's a hit. I, I like her. I like her character. I like the strength. I know the whole thing about, you know, the baby and everything was fascinating and her love um, for for him. Provoke. I, Volk. 
But I will just say this. I didn't really like how the whole Klingon thing was so uh, graphic in Discovery. Mm. I mean, I know it's important and I love the Klingons, but the graphicness was kind of have a little bit heavy for me. I would probably have agreed with you on that one. I would say the same kind of thing in that I think Lorel is a hit now, but I, I, I think she grew to be better in the second season. The first season was very, as you said, it was too severe. It was almost monstrous. It got really intense, you know, without getting into too much about kind of abuse and everything. Uh, and I just didn't even like the design of her in the first season. They kind of went out of her way, their way to make her look monstrous with the sort of engorged, you know, head and, and weird lack of hair and everything. And yeah, so so even the design that you can see on screen, if you're watching, I think it's the season two design where she looks just way more traditionally next-gen Klingon, and I think it suits the character. I think it helps Mary's performance. Not that she's ever bad, even in the first season when I don't necessarily agree with the, the way that the plot takes it. I think she's fantastic throughout, but I grew to love Laurel more thanks to, like I said, the way that it developed into that second season and uh, when it, you know, when Discovery toned a lot of stuff down, shall we say. So, yeah, yeah they took say, a... A softer tone with her, and we needed that. We did. We absolutely yeah, did, especially yeah. when she's kind of, you know, she's the, for all we know, it's like the first kind of high chancellor that we've ever really chronologically seen. So yes. we needed some kind of indication. And, yeah, they did go out of the way to be like, yeah, she's going to unify them. She's going to make them have all one type of ship. She's on friendlier yes. terms with everyone. Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I appreciate that. So yeah. I'm going to say hit, but, again, just it grew to a hit, shall we say. <laughs> So. Yeah, she's a hit for sure. But I, I mean, her acting is great. It always was great. But um, mm. just like if you think when you think of the very first Discovery episode with the Klingons, the first few episodes there, they're oh, yeah. just, I don't know. This yeah. is so much better. We, we kind of did talk about that. Um, I forget why it came up, but I think it was just a couple of episodes ago. We said like at the start, the way they represented the Klingons was a little bit too far, a bit too over the top, too much monstrousness, cannibalism. And, you know, it, it kind of got silly. but. I think they realized their mistake and and you know a, a lot of a lot of the humanization for want of a better word i think is down to mary's performance because she was fantastic throughout yes so, yeah. because we need to care we need to have some sense of attachment with them you know she had to be a little more human <laughs> Absolutely. Well, don't, tell that, <laughs> don't tell yeah, her exactly. that though. Don't tell her I said that. <laughs> no, no, a bit more, a bit more Klingon we mean. <laughs> yeah, it was hard to attach to Volk because he didn't even know who he was, so it was hard no. for us to get a grasp on it. So yeah. Uh, yeah. anyway, sticking he, uh, <laughs> he did indeed. Really sticking did. with the with the dual themes of Klingons and Discovery, the next thing is a ship. Uh, so hit or miss, Adrian, for the Klingon cleave ship that we see in Discovery. <laughs> there we are. Okay, this ship definitely had a purpose. I forgot it was called the Cleave ship, so thank you for saying that. But I, I think it's badass. I mean, <laughs> because you, when you first see it, you don't know what the heck is happening. I mean, it's really shocking, a shocking visual. Mm -hmm. But um, you know, it 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 looks like <laughs> it looks like a something that that would have been around for the Barge of the Dead if you're looking at it yeah. right now. <laughs> it looks like a dead. It a dead yeah. space creature but you know clearly it's klingon i mean it has the batleth kind of or the mechleth kind of blade mm. but it's a ship and it will cut a, a ship in half and it's cloaked <laughs> i mean what is yeah. not to love how do i not have one of these for traffic in los angeles right i need one <laughs> of these. oh can you imagine <laughs> 
Oh, There'd be yeah. a few, uh, a few Ford choruses being sliced. <laughs> there, <off>. would <laughs> there would be. Awesome. Oh. Yeah, I, I love this ship, and it's, it's one of very few Klingon ships from Discovery that I do love because I didn't like the way they were all so disparate and so completely different and didn't look mm -hmm. Klingon at all um, until they kind of reintroduced the D7. But this one I love because I just remember in that first. Uh, you know, it's either episode one or two during the Battle of the Binary Stars, as you said, when you, you're out of nowhere, you're just, you're finally able to focus on something and you see the Europa, the flagship, just, you know, flying through space happily. And then this thing decloaks and it's already kind of wedged halfway through before you know what's happening. And oh, you're just like, yeah. what the heck right. is going on? I forgot yeah. it was the Europa. I mean, the visual is just so stunning. If you yeah. see it happening, you know that something it has hit something cloaked but you just don't know that that's the purpose of this darn thing yeah so i was already kind of on board with it from that because like you said the way that it's presented is just like epic and huge yeah. it's a huge ship and you only really see the actual cleave part going through because right. it looks like a gigantic space blade or something um but but what really sold me on it was um the very end of discovery season two where as i've said we've kind of we've made friends we're kind of allied a bit now uh, but we've already introduced the d7 so we've seen that that's kind of come to the rescue um and they're fighting against section 31 and everything and then this thing again just decloaks and starts slicing through and then laurel just heals like ah, i've come to help you maybe today is a good day to die i'm like yes you brought the best shit <laughs> <laughs> let's just cut the crap out of these section exactly. 31 laurel <laughs> she's like hey i'm fun at parties just make sure i get the invite yeah exactly yeah, so i was like serious. right that's it yeah so that was what sold me on getting the model as soon as it was reduced in price, which I did get for a very good, I think mm. like £10. Um, well, but nice. yeah, I have the model of this. It's, again, it's the only Discovery Klingon ship that I have a model of. All the rest mm -hmm. are from the other series. But mm. it's, yeah, it's, it's pride of place in the middle of my various Klingon ships. And it looks cool. Although the model, I will say, looks weirdly more metallic because it's kind of, it's silvery metal looking, whereas the oh, actual yeah. one... Yeah, the one on screen looks way more, like you said, wooden and bargy and brown. Right, and it has it has like space rust, and you know mm. it's it's so animalistic. You know, it could be a it could be like almost feline. You know, mm. in a way, if you really look at the layout of it, I mean, it's just it's it's fascinating. It's almost something like from um, Aliens. You know, yeah, if you look yeah, at the way, yeah. So it's interesting. Yeah, yeah like just with the a, model, you know, the model is fresh and new and boring. But I mean, I'd still like to see it. But this is the real thing, and it's really out there because Star Trek is real. Fight me. <laughs> yes. Well, in the words of Rick Emerson, if you know, if we ever get to the Star Trek universe, and God willing, one day we will. So, <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> but yeah, so I think suffice, suffice to say, we both love the Klingon cleave ship. We love so the cleave ship. So far, there's been no disagreement, and we're all very positive. So. Uh, we'll, we'll see when we keep it going. I don't want to jinx anything, but let's see what I've got next on the docket then. Uh, the next thing is an episode, actually, weirdly enough. Uh, a very random one. Again, not Klingon related, but it just happened to be something I'd rewatched. Uh, so it's from Strange New Worlds that we were talking about earlier. And it is episode two, Children of the Comet. Would you say it's a hit or a miss? Oh, yeah. Uh, this guy. This guy. <laughs> he's really, really serious. You know, don't mess with his thing, his mob, mob deep or whatever. He's very, very serious. But <laughs> did, did end, you just apply June logic to that? <laughs> in the end, I mean, it was kind of that spiritual thing, right? But this guy, he he's serious. Don't mess around with him. He doesn't play. 
Yeah, they're like priests that are, you know, they protecting are. the comet or whatever. They yeah. call themselves guardians or whatever. Oh, yeah, guardians, <laughs> yeah. But he's, I mean, and he's serious too because, like, he means it. You can tell mm. he's not a, um, an intentionally mean guy, but don't, yeah. you know, he's very serious. This is this is his religion, as it were. So, I mean, yeah, don't, don't get involved. <laughs> don't get involved yeah, in this human thing. Obviously, it's a comment on kind of religious zealotry and, you know, at what point do you put, the value of lives over the top of it we're talking mm. about you know an entire mm -hmm. planet and he's taking it on faith pike doesn't want that to happen which is an interesting thing for the episode to explore although it doesn't really dive all that deeply into it necessarily so right but yeah what I, are your uh, overall thoughts i like this episode i i um i like the whole thing about um water in the desert like i i like that ending mm. You know, yes. I love the, yes. the the family with their hands, and and I want to go back there and see because it's sort mm -hmm. of like uh, the Genesis effect in a different take. You know, uh, it made life. Yeah. So that's interesting that's, to me. That's the thing that kind of I, I, I'm going to go ahead and say it's a soft hit, but for me, the bit that got really weird is the kind of explaining at the end that oh, the comic did know exactly what was going to happen. It would only have ever. That, you know, yeah. it knew what you were going to do. It was only ever going to bring life. So <laughs> it, was, it was very much kind of like if you'd had faith, it would have been fine. But that's because it knew the future. And I get how it ties into like at this point, you still have Pike like, oh, I know my future. I'm doomed to be in a wheelchair and making oh, bleepy noises. I, <laughs> so, I mean, uh, I don't want to be Pike. I mean, I just don't. I don't want to be Pike. I want to be every captain. I don't want to be Pike. You know, this it was kind of like Deus Ex Machina at the end, you know, the, uh, but I liked the whole scene. I liked the costumes of the people in the desert. I wish I could remember their names. But oh, they're barely featured. They only cut back to them once or twice to sort of, to, to emphasize the stakes of like this comet might extinct these species. <laughs> right. We don't want them to be extinct because we could tell they love each other. They're loving people. They love their children. Yeah. But I liked that. But I mean, yeah, it was. It was. Um, and I've been rewatching a lot of Strange New Worlds, but I think this is the episode as well where Uhura kind of comes into her own, uh, which I really appreciated because it's where she kind of discovers that the comet, you know, it responds to musical tone or something. Yeah, yeah, that was um, me. Yeah, that was that so was me I, because uh, that. Oh, go ahead, sweetie, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say because it was at that point you'd kind of, I think you'd you'd already had Uhura say, "Oh, I'm in Starfleet because I didn't really have anywhere else to go, and I don't really know if I want to be here." And you kind of had. I forget who it was. It may have been Spock just very bluntly like, well, you know, no disrespect, but a lot of people do want to be here. So if you don't want to be, maybe give up the space to somebody that does. And then in the end, it completely comes around and Spock's like, I, I will say this, if you did leave, it would be a disservice because you're fantastic at what you do and we could really use somebody with that skill kind of thing. So I was like, oh, that was kind of the genesis of Uhura as a character that was really nice as somebody that watches like TOS, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, that's true. I mean, they really, I just love how they're, they're developing the characters in the show. They're all so different. And it will, it, I kind of think it was fascinating to sit, sit there and watch her say, Oh, I don't know if this is for me. Yeah. At first. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's yeah. just fascinating. It's honest. It's real. And everybody sort of was taken aback. And, and that's how life is. You need to be taken aback in discussions. Everybody's not just going to fall in line with what you want. 
Yeah. But it also gave the episode and, and her kind of arc a lot more meaning because it wasn't a question of, I want to be here because I'm great. And now I'm going to prove to you exactly how great I am. It was kind of like she was nervous and unsure. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kirk's, Kirk's brother was knocked out and it was very much like, look, you wanted you wanted a chance. Yeah, You're right. our only hope at this point. That's so it. step yeah. up. You know? That's right. Kirk's yeah. brother. I call him Stash Kirk. Um, yeah, that's for <laughs> sure. Um, and, you know, one thing it reminded me of is, um, well, I mean, I don't I'm old, so I saw Close Encounters of the Third Kind mm. in the theater, and this is clearly oh, wow. an homage to the oh, yeah. na 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 you know, kind of a yeah. thing. Yeah, so uh, I liked that. One last one last thing I want to shout out because it's a tiny moment, but it also kind of does make me laugh is that when they realize that they're kind of trying to match the tones and everything, and Uhura does it and then asks everyone to join in, and Spock kind of reluctantly does, and then Laan is just like, oh. nope. Nope. She, and La, I like Laan, yeah, she's uh she's a serious character. Laan and this guardian guy should hang out. Like they're dead serious about stuff. <laughs> Wanna be a fly on a wall for that discussion. Uh, uh, what a thrilling dinner party that would be. I know. <laughs> oh god. Uh, just don't uh, bring up comets or gone, whatever you Yeah, say. right. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh, well, we've kept it positive because I think I said soft hit and you definitely were on the, the I would say, the page of hit. It's yes, a soft that. hit. Yeah, it's a soft hit. I'll say that. Yeah. The ending was a little bit weird for me, but yeah. uh, never mind. I know. It's um, okay. It's sometimes okay to have those those things yeah. in a story. It's interesting and it makes you think. I mean, it's, yeah, exactly, um, yeah. you know, yeah, it makes you think. So kind of partly sticking on the Strange New Worlds theme, the next thing is a character. Uh, and it is the character of Dr. Joseph Mbenga. Would you say he's a hit or a miss? And I'm talking overall, so we're talking Strange New Worlds and his very brief two appearances mm -hmm. in the original series. Oh, yes, Buck. Oh, I think he's wonderful. I mean, he's a gentle, kind, caring, warm man. Mm. That's how they've played him. He, of course, has his daughter in a transporter. Oh, sorry, if that's a spoiler. That's a, sorry, yeah, sorry if that's a season. <laughs> you know, that, was, that was a season one plot, so come okay, on. Okay, so we're all real. <laughs> we'll okay. Yeah, um, but he no, I'm just, fine with that. Yeah, I like his bedside manner. Um, I'm, I just think he's a, he's a wonderful actor, too. I'd like to see him in other things, but, yeah, he's interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I love all seeing, the doctors. I, I know he only appeared twice, but do you remember seeing the character in the original series? I, I remember that he was there. I remember seeing him, but um, do enlighten us. Well, I can't really remember that much. I know that he, he kind of comes into the fray because he's supposed to be an expert specifically in Vulcan physiology. So mm -hmm. he has to help treat Spock in one episode. The other one I genuinely can't even remember, but I do um, know. I remember being, this is going to sound really kind of, you know, oh, you're, you're so pompous. But I remember <laughs> as a kid watching the original series, I was just impressed that it was a black character where, Nothing was made of the fact that it was a, he was a doctor and he was black. It wasn't like, ooh, this is this is shocking. How did you get to this position? It was just kind of like, just here, just another doctor. Not even going to mention it, you know, full on African name and everything. And yeah. I was like, that that kind of took me aback as a kid because I was like, huh, you, it's just perfectly normal by the twenty third century. That's nice. <laughs> yes, um, let's let's hope it really is that way in the twenty third century. That will be awesome. <laughs> So I, I liked the character to start with. And when I heard they were casting him in Strange New Worlds, I was intrigued. And I kind of have loved a lot of, if not everything that they've done. I love that he now has a relationship with Pike that we didn't really know about, which kind of stems mm -hmm. from Pike traveling to, to Africa and the like. Mm -hmm. I love, as you said, his bedside manner, the fact that he's just 
he's a great counterpoint to what we, we know is going to come with McCoy because McCoy's got that very like he still cares, but he's got that abrasive southern like yeah, yeah get up and you know, get up and <laughs> right. do your job and look after yourself right. kind of thing. Yeah. Whereas you can't imagine you know Mbenga's bedside manner being quite that blunt. Um, and as you said, he, he's got a richer life. He's he's got a family thing going on. I'm still very unsure. I won't go into it too much, but I'm very unsure about the new plot they're giving him about like traumatization by the Klingon war and stuff. Right. Don't love where they're going with that. It feels like they're just looking for a new plot because they did the whole daughter thing and and concluded that. Um, but we'll see. I'm, I'm the jury's still out on that one. So yeah, yeah. but I mean, <laughs> he's he's not an ensign, right? He's not an ensign. Yeah. So we, I love knowing where they came from. I love yeah. knowing all of that stuff. And right, I mean, I love the uh, Dr. McCoy swagger and all that, but I also love this nice, good, caring man. And if I was going to have somebody as a doctor, he's the one I'd want. Well, I want flocks. Yeah. Okay, let's just get real. But if it has to be <laughs> human, <laughs> then I want it to be him. Yes, all of the doctors in the Star Trek shows are great when you think about it, though, aren't they? So. Yeah, the doctors yeah. Are, are awesome. We need to have, like, in 2027, we need to have a doctor episode, you know, one of these things. <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah, I'm, I, I think Mass Effect, I can't wait to see. Uh, I mean, I'm like that with all of the Strange New World characters, but I'm really intrigued to see where this character goes, and I hope mm -hmm. he gets a bit more, if mm -hmm. anything, to do. I don't want him to become just a background kind of, you know, mm -hmm. we need a doctor episode kind of thing. So. True. Yeah, fair enough. Um so I think I've got a couple more things. Everyone's going to be really annoyed because we're probably going to be so positive, though. <laughs> we're so I know we just love Star Trek too much. <laughs> Next two <laughs> things we do have are both Klingon related. Uh, the first one is an episode, Deep Space Nine, and it is "You Are Cordially Invited," aka the Wolf Dax Wedding episode. <laughs> is it a hit uh, or a miss? The okay, there are some cringy moments. In this episode, um, like but what? I mean, <laughs> oh, I, I mean, I guess they're just trying to whole bachelorette party thing. I love that. <laughs> oh no, I liked that Kira and Odo got to talk finally. Yeah, with yeah. Guys, yeah. but I didn't like the whole Jadzia with the dude. I mean, I know they, oh, yeah, yeah, they yeah. had to have that so that Cirella would walk in and blah blah blah, but. You know, but I love, love, love the ending and the beginning of this episode. I love it when, uh, what does Martuk say? Magnificent, isn't she? And Cisco's <laughs> like, if you say so. But the ending of this wedding, um, if I mean, I it, it would still give me chills just seeing this right now because um, it's sincere. Yeah, it is. And it's very... It handles the mythology and the lore kind of mm -hmm. of Klingons and stuff well, whilst also being a great character piece for all of the characters, but especially obviously Worf and, and Jadzia. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought you were referring to the bachelor party stuff, not the bachelorette. So I fully love whenever they do little comedy subplots during the middle of drama. And there's something hilarious about like O'Brien and Bashir going oh, through like a Klingon good. ritual. Oh, and yeah, and then just is... like, when I get out of this, I'm going to kill Worf. <laughs> yeah, they're going to kill Worf. That's, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's hanging. He's hanging, right? Isn't it? The doctor's hanging. And he's like, I know what I'm going to like, do. I'm going to yeah. kill Worf. Like, uh. Yeah, let's go get him. And the whole steaks, right? There was food and Cisco took it. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. But yeah, I uh, I remember having this discussion with, again, I can't remember, I think it might have been Rick or it may have been Jeff, where they say, like, normally I wouldn't like something that sets out to be like, it's the wedding episode. Um, but this one does it so well 
particularly, I think it helps it that it's just after they've retaken the station. So you've had all of that, like, super serialized six part. How do we get the Dominion back? And we've had to put up with the death of Zial and everything. So now this oh, is just, gosh, yeah. this is yeah. our reintroduction to it, you know, <laughs> to right, uh, normality. Right, yeah, so, sure. Yeah, yeah kind of like a, here in the United States, a city will have like something horrible happen. And then they all start rooting for the sports fans and, or the sports teams or something just so the city can feel something. You know, that's yeah. sort of like, I mean, I always make everything about Los Angeles and everything, but this, this is, um, I, I like certain parts of this episode are great. And you're right about the Klingon, the Klingon rituals are interesting. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I like, the, oh, the, um, like I said, the idea of the Klingons, you know, slew the gods that created them, but only because they were united uh, under love and whatever. It's I like, no, <laughs> oh, the, the Klingon heart. Yes, yes, the heart. The heart yeah. is so strong. Yeah, I am alone. Yeah. Oh, see, that made me see. I just gave myself chills. <laughs> I'm such a nerd. <laughs> I'm, such a, I'm such a Star Trek nerd. <laughs> to this day, no one can oppose the beating of two Klingon hearts. Not even oh, me, man. as Sorella says. So oh, yeah, I see. Also, I mean, it's just it's well written. It's brilliant. The characters is, all get yeah. stuff to do, and they it's do. nice to be back on the station and have a lighthearted moment. You know. True. So, and yeah, I love and it. um uh, Alexander, they got married because he yes. was gonna be there. Yeah. He was his Tywit on. <laughs> Ella Tywit on, yeah. Oh, Sword bearer, like a best man. Right. You know? Yeah, so yeah. I'd awesome. say it's it's a hit. It's not the best episode, but oh, I love certain it. elements I... are great for me. Yeah. yeah. I think it's one of my favorites. And just mm. as a, sort of a random side note, both Wolf and Dax look hot in nickling on wedding outfits. So. Oh, yeah. they. I, the costumes are great. Yeah. Okay. So the costumes are wonderful. The dialogue is wonderful <laughs> at the beginning and at the end and some in the middle. Yeah. Oh, and just to mention it, because I keep, I always forget this, but I really do love that Jadzia is like, they're trying to make a prove, you know, oh, are you worthy of being in the house? And she's failing at all the rituals and stuff. And then she basically uses her smarts to get in by being like, hmm, so I've done some research. It turns out you've been telling everyone you're descended from a princess and turns out you're not, you know, that's what you yes. wanted to make it look like. But, you yep. know, and she's just, Cyrilla's just like, well, check me, bitch. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was cool. And the, um, yeah. I appreciate Terry Farrell's uh, hangover acting. Yeah, that's <laughs> very <bad>. good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, everybody waking up at different parts. Of the, I'm like, oh, gosh. Yeah. Oh, awesome. I love that episode. So one last thing then, and it is, again, Klingon related. It's a ship, uh, and you probably knew it was going to come up at some point if you're a regular viewer slash listener. Uh, the Klingon D7 battle cruiser. <laughs> is it a hit or a miss? And again, I'm talking overall, so I'm talking the original series. I'm talking the um, Discovery Strange New Worlds, which is supposed to be the same thing and kind of is, uh, you know, just the design overall. Hit or a miss? I'm just going to make it a, a hit. Um, I think that it's, I mean, clearly we know what it is, and I love how they moderned it up and gave it some lights and windows. Oh, good. People can, yeah. things happen on there. There's life. Yeah. 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 I I, I normally it. am I'm normally a stickler for kind of like sticking to things as established and I love the D7 design because it's just again it's iconic. You can tell it, it was kind of one of the two things they came up with along with the Enterprise during the original series mm -hmm. and I remember having the making of Star Trek book and being fascinated by <clears throat> all of the um I think it was Matt Jeffries or possibly some other designer who came up with sketches and things and how he got to the Klingon D7. And I was like, this is such a cool design. It's just a stroke of absolute genius after you've already had the genius of the Enterprise. I just love it. 
Um, but then, as I was saying, I, I probably would have normally been like, oh, don't make any changes. But in the first episode of season two of Strange New Worlds, when it reveals that these warp nacelle things that are hanging down open up into disruptor cannons, I was yes. like, yeah, I don't even I don't even care that that's not like something <laughs> we're used to. It just looked amazing. It just looked yeah. so cool. I was like, yep, as far as I'm concerned, they could always do that now. <laughs> that was just amazing. So, yeah, I love the D7. I think, again, you can see how it's updated in much the same way as the Enterprise got the refit for the motion picture and everything mm -hmm. for the modern one, but it's still very much the same ship, and that design is just so... It's iconic, simple as... Yeah, that's the best word for it. I'd say iconic. I like that use of that, because it really is. I mean, nobody in the world would not know that this has got to have something to do with Star Trek. If it's somebody that, you know... and Maybe they don't know it's the Klingons, but they know for sure it's Star Trek. Well, I mean, there is, they are briefly used by the Romulans in the originals. Yes. Yeah. Weird. Let's not get back into that again. But yeah, <laughs> I love this. I love the, the model design of it and mm -hmm. everything. Cool. So, yeah. And when you think, I mean, 1960s and it's still more or less the exact same design that you're using today and it works, that's got to be impressive. <laughs> yeah, and they're smart to, to design the image to be set up the exact same way easy recognition easy for fans to recognize what they're seeing and go oh ooh, you know yeah exactly same exactly. angles everything oh well there's a planet and some moon and some nebulas but you know what i mean yeah but that's the thing as i said it, it, you know there's newer techniques and things but it's still recognizably the same thing that you know when you, when you get the same vibes from it so yeah in much the same way as i think we do with the new enterprise on change new worlds like it's not the same and yet it is we still get the same sense of like yeah i can i can buy it it's it's effectively the same thing modernized you know so cool any other thoughts then on any of that before i move us on no we're good awesome yeah. uh right well that would conclude the uh, incredibly positive hit on this section which is probably a good thing for the last episode before we go on a little mid-season break so we kept it positive apologies if you disagree by all means feel free to let us know your thoughts respectfully if there's anything you don't uh, exactly like who knew uh, that the klingons were going to be so positive and cheery like who knew <laughs> <laughs> there's not even anyone that knows me anyone that knows me knows i love all things klingon so it was never going to be too negative for me so um yeah but anyway we are going to move on to the next part of the uh, the podcast now which would be the main episode analysis so without any further ado we will begin our analysis of soldiers of the empire Uh, before I jump in, I have a little bit of, well, I see a little bit, I have quite a bit of behind the scenes information on this episode, but I always like to start with just, um, Adrienne, do you have any kind of general spoiler-free thoughts of this episode? Do you remember the first time you kind of saw it, what you expected of it? And uh, yeah, what, what what did you think now, watching it back? Well, okay. when I first watched it, I I wasn't really sure I want, I was comfortable inside the ship. I remember thinking it's kind of claustrophobic. I don't know. Why is this old guy so grouchy? Like, what are they freaking <laughs> out about? Um, oh, Jadzia just hit a dude. Okay. But as I've, you know, be, been more mature and, and been watching it a long time, like I, I appreciate the episode a little bit more just for the, the Klingon mythology background and everything else. Yeah. Definitely. Well, it is. It's, it's as I said to you, I think off air, this is this is the Klingon episode. I knew we were going to be doing this as part of this season because it's an episode where it's entirely Klingon. There's no, you know, there's no disappearing off to the station to see what O'Brien's up to this week or whatever. There's very little of anyone else. It is. It's the crew of the Rotar and it's their, you know, mission, their episode. 
solid 45 minutes with them. So, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. Whether, whether you like that or not, I think is going to be uh, your ultimate opinion of the episode. If you just don't care about life on a Klingon ship, I'd be... Uh, <laughs> yeah. <more> <laughs> it's, probably not. <laughs> it's not going to be your favorite. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, you don't yeah. like seeing close-ups of Klingon beards, then clearly this is not <laughs> the one for you. Although I kind of would have liked to go back and see if Nog... Uh, fulfilled his uh, uh, little momentary fantasy of strangling Worf. <laughs> that would have been cool. That was a funny, oh, that funny so, scene. Oh. I've mentioned already, I always love when they insert a little bit of humor because I talked about it in the, you are cordially invited. And I just loved <laughs> that scene, that little awkward scene of Nog just like, sirs, do you mind if I just scoot past? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Eisenberg's comedy timing in that scene was just like, that, that was right. genius. Yeah. We, we should be able to go back in these in these episodes and, and, and see the closeout. But we needed this Rotaran episode. We needed to see uh, what happens with this crew. And, and we need to have a, a ship that we know and, and care about. And I feel like, you know, this is a way to start it off. <clears throat> Excuse me. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Uh, well, I'm going to jump in. Uh, apologies if uh, if you want to jump in and, you know, uh, chime in with any thoughts on this. I'm going to read the behind the scenes because I see it is quite a lot of information, but I think it's interesting. It kind of Yeah, gives... go for it. I want to hear. I want to hear. I'm a fan. Yeah. Fair enough. Genesis of the episode and uh, kind of tells you where, you know, what, what, some interesting bits and pieces about it. So uh, the origins of this episode are to be found in a request that Ira Stephen Bear made to Ronald D. Moore. He said, give me Star Trek Klingon, a story that we could do as a Star Trek episode, but with all Klingon characters. As I said, you kind of see that they got that. <laughs> um, I'm not going to uh, talk too much about this because you can go back and watch our review of Barge of the Dead because the original idea for the episode was that it was going to be basically that episode that Rotaram was going to eventually encounter the Klingon afterlife and find Moog and get all spiritual. But they basically decided, you know, that, that's a heck of a lot to try and do. And that was abandoned and later reused for a Balana plot on Voyager. So, again, go back and listen to that episode uh, from earlier in the season for more on that. <clears throat> Of, um, of special importance to Ronald D. Moore in this episode was giving each Klingon an individualized personality and look of the characterization of the crew of the Rotaran. Moore says, one of them thinks they're cursed. One of them is a female engineer who doesn't want to give up. And then there's the troublemaker who just enjoys making the situation worse in a perverse desire to destroy them all. Um, however, individual physicality was also of importance. On some of the shows where we've had a lot of Klingons on camera, even I get them confused, he said. So we wanted more visual distinction here. And as a result, one was given short cropped hair and one had no sleeves. Tavana's hair is red, and there was even a blonde Klingon. Which, yeah, I think they did uh, make them look suitably enough diverse that you know who's who, basically. Um, this always fascinated me because I, I completely missed this. There's a short scene of Dax pushing some buttons on a control panel. Uh, Ronald Dean Moore commented Dax was actually sending a message to Ortakin, Tavana's lover, warning him about the impending mutiny. Ortakin shows up on the bridge a few seconds later with two other armed Klingons. The cutaway to Dax didn't read on camera, um, and now Ortakin's arrival is a bit mysterious, which I agree with, but now knowing what I know is like, ah, okay, that makes sense now. So, yeah. Now, you can always fill in that gap yourself now, head cannon wise I guess. So, uh, this episode is a favourite of the actor J.G. Hertzler, who sees it as solidifying sorry, the character of Martok after his return slash debut in In Purgatory Shadow. Of Ron Moore, who wrote Soldiers of the Empire, Hertzler comments, I'm forever in his debt. He also says of this episode, it had a lot of heart. Although the cast and crew loved this episode and felt it was extremely successful, Ira Stephen Bear was unsatisfied with it. This is an episode that almost made it, he said. LeVar Burton is one of the strongest directors we have when it comes to working with actors, but the casting process was difficult, and I don't think the makeup always helped the actors. None of it went far enough. 
Bear was especially displeased with how the toughness of Martok's crew was handled. The scene at Quark's really was depressing. They were supposed to be the baddest guys. One of them has teeth around his neck, and people in the bar talk about them like they're bad guys, but they're not badass at all. Throughout the entire show, without a doubt, the toughest man on the ship is Martok, and that totally screwed up the show in my mind. I'm in two minds about that, but okay. Um, Worf becomes a member of the House of Martok in this episode, something which has great implications for the future, as we know. Uh, the IKS Rotaran makes its first appearance. Uh, it reappeared as Martok's command ship in the episode Sons and Daughters before being replaced by the IKS Chitang in Once More Unto the Breach. But the Rotaran does reappear in Tacking Into the Wind. Uh, no started is given in this episode, but fascinatingly, Worf makes a combat log on the 53rd day of the year of Kalos 999. So now we know how Klingons measure years. Uh, the Klingon war song that you heard up top in this episode was originally from the CD-ROM, Star Trek Klingon, and is made officially canon here. And uh, just for the sake of clarity, I'm going to translate the lyrics. I won't give you the original full Klingon one, although you heard the first verse. Uh, but the lyrics in English uh, and with some adaptation translate to Here, sons of Kalis, here, daughters too. The blood of battle washes clean, the warrior brave and true. We fight, we love, and then we kill. Our lives burn short and bright. Then we die with honor and join our fathers in the Black Fleet, where we battle forever battling on through the eternal fight. And that's it. That's all I have for the behind the scenes for this episode. So, yeah, interesting things, I think. <laughs> that is interesting, especially what was said about the bar scene, because um, when the when they walked in and, yeah, they weren't that tough, were they? they weren't I, I, didn't, I didn't have an issue with them. My biggest issue with that scene is that, again, it, we, we look at things with different eyes depending on when we're watching it, but it was kind of yeah. like... It was very uncomfortable for me that Odo basically is racial profiling and he's like the cop of the station and he's like, oh, keep an eye on these Klingons, they're trouble. And I'm like, they've not done anything. Yeah, they're just strolling in. That's what I'm saying. They weren't that tough and scary. Like it wasn't like, um, like I love, of course, um, Obi and Dofo, uh, the actor that had that ac tragic accident, but um, as Drex, in, you know, he in Soldiers of the Empire, like he is menacing. Like he walks in, and, yeah, and he that's right. And he walks in, and he's he's mean, and he's like, yeah. wah, wah, wah. but these guys are just strolling nicely. Yes, there's Cardassian neck bones. Yes, yes, one of them ripped off his his sleeves and wants to look like a biker, but okay. But like <laughs> they, Odo did seem to get. But I mean, I'm sure it's because everything that was going on. But still, they're just strolling through. Yeah, it was a little weird. I, I didn't think that they weren't intimidating. Like I said, it was more just kind of like, well, give them a chance, you know. I mean, to when you're already, you know, watching them, like, oh, these guys going on trouble. Um, but yeah, I know what you mean. It was. I, I, I can get what he means in that they didn't look, you know, they, they weren't the most super scary. Like, ooh, what's going to happen? <laughs> but, but still, I mean, still important scene, you know, because they're on the station yeah. and everything. Yeah, I guess. Anyway, if you're not familiar with how we do things here, we basically, instead of giving just a, you know, a complete recap of the episode, because that would get boring and hopefully you've watched it, we break our little review into sections like writing and plot, direction, acting, visual and special effects, uh, music and sound, other. Then we give our favorite character moment and line here from the audience and then give our conclusion and score out of five Starfleet Deltas. So the first thing I wanted to look at then would be the general writing and the plot of this episode. Uh, and Adrian, as the guest, I'm going to jump over to you and say, do you have any thoughts of uh, things you want to start us talking about with regard to the overall plot? Well, like I mentioned before, I love, I just, now that I've, I've watched it some more, I actually really like being on the ship. I like seeing how the whole thing operates. I like to see like who's in charge and how it works and um, mm. how Tavana stood up and 
to um, what Cornyn, right? And she's like, stations? Like, they, they knew something was yeah, about yeah. to happen. And I, I like being there. So, yeah, we're good. That's fair enough. Absolutely, yeah. Um, in terms of the plot, I think uh, this is going to sound, if anybody's been following me this entire season, I'm sorry, because I'm going to sound like a broken record. But this is another example for me of how you can't necessarily say that Star Trek is you know, what was never serialized. And I know Deep Space Nine gets a lot of credit for being more that, you know, more serialized like that than any of the other ones. But for me, this episode is a very necessary follow-on from In Purgatory Shadow and By Inferno's Light, which was a few episodes beforehand. Mm -hmm. um, so there's several episodes in between, but I feel like we needed this because, uh, you know, this really is dealing with the consequences of what happened in that Dominion internment camp of yes. Martok having been imprisoned there for so long, losing an eye and developing you know, almost a fear, you know, mm -hmm. a, a religious yeah. kind of, you know, impressed fear with the Jem'Hadar and, mm -hmm. uh, as I said, Worf wanting to give up and then Martok ultimately not letting him and, and Worf explaining all that to Cisco, which wasn't even in the episode. But again, I feel like it adds so much more to that when you when you watch it back now. And to me, I would compare this to, I would say this is like, you know how you have the best of both worlds, then you have the episode Family, which deals with like the aftermath of everything there and how Picard's dealing with it emotionally and stuff. I think this is the equivalent for that two-parter in that this is the one that deals with how Worf and Martok are, you know, Agreed. are affected by that. <laughs> Agreed. It does show consequences of trauma, the consequences yeah. of that internment. And, and you know he was there for so long. So, I mean, yeah. it, it does show that. And he did develop almost um, a, a Jem Hadar battle anxiety. Like, he doesn't want to go there. Yeah. yeah but but no, he will... needed a wake-up call, and that's what he got. Absolutely. So, yeah. I mean, I it does start. I like how you said it starts off the story because the Rotaran is, is there. I mean, it continues that whole thing. And, yeah, I agree. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I do love that idea of the Tova Doke bond um, and how Wolf kind of, he says there's no kind of human word for it, but I think we can we can still grasp what he means about the idea of like looking into someone's eyes who can see that you've given up and then like lending you strength of like, don't, you know? <laughs> so, right, yeah, um, yeah. And I feel like that's what happens in the end of this kind of Worf and Martok have that look and I kind of feel like Worf gave Martok some of his strength in that moment, he had to do that. He had to, you know, either sacrifice himself or, you know, they're they're so bonded, you know, that at, at, at the end they just needed that, and he gave him his back in his in his own way. And Cisco yeah. knew what the heck he was talking about. Cisco didn't play around either. He's like, okay, here's your orders, you know. So yeah, I love that about Cisco. He's not even questioning. It's just like, yeah, you're on detached leave to the retirement. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, he he knew. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. At this point, we're heavily into the Dominion War, so I think everybody's just kind of like, yeah, I get it. We're all a bit knackered. <laughs> so, what was that word? Knackered? A bit tired. Okay. <laughs> so, Bye. I think I'm not talking to an English person. Knackered. Sorry, just, just, just me taking notes over here. I just got to let me write that down now. Save that to research for later. <laughs> um, I do like, I will say that I, I do like the kind of the slight played for humor of like everybody getting new assignments because Wolf and it turns out Dax are leaving. Um, oh, yeah. That scene for me got very clunky when it was so obvious when Jadzia is like, oh, let me tell you about life on a Klingon ship. It's right. actually quite ordered, but only the person below can challenge. And then one of the conditions is if they're seeming cowardly, I'm like, yeah, this is all because we need to know this. And it just feels like exposition dump. <laughs> Uh, yes, yes. But still, that's okay. Like, <laughs> yeah. relevant, <isn't> it? <laughs> I mean, you only have what 
48 minutes to, to get this whole <laughs> plot going. It's not like it's a, a five-part series or something of a movies. You know, we got to know right yeah, away. Okay, it. plot dump, fine. Give us some info. That's okay. Info dump. I feel like it could have been less clunky, maybe. Um, you yeah. know, I'll, I'll put in a later part of the episode, but yeah, it's it's not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Again, I do love this idea, which um, it kind of shocked me that Wolf decides not to wear his Klingon baldric because, as he puts it, there's no point because the House of Morg doesn't exist. So why wear you know the, the crest of a house that isn't there? <laughs> and um, it, it gives you that great scene for the humor of Jadzia, like, oh no, I'm sticking around. It's funnier this way than just telling you. Um, so yeah. you get a bit of humor. You also, <laughs> you completely get like where Worf's coming at with this mm-hmm. when um, she's like, "Oh, isn't that going to be a little awkward, not wearing a symbol of a house?" And he's like, "I don't care. <laughs> I'm not there to make friends. I'm there to do a job." <laughs> that's a, and that's exactly what he says when he walks in. Basically, he says, yeah. "You guys, you guys suck, and I don't care. We got a mission to do." Yeah, none of you are worthy of my blood and my life, but I'm here. So. Basically, <laughs> I paraphrased it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, I do love all that. I love that the Klingons, like, in the same way that Starfleet have that military, like, uh, way of giving command of, like, I stand relieved, sir. Oh, I relieve you. Hand command codes. I love that the Klingons basically do it as, like, a ritual. So, it's like, uh, here are the battle records. I pledge our lives to you, and I take your lives as my own as the c- captain of this. I was like, yeah, they would make it seem like, you know, almost a religious ceremony when it's just basically like just sit in the captain's chair and get on with it <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it has to it's very ritualized and i'm sure that's yeah. you know exactly how it has to be chain of command etc yeah absolutely so what did you think because uh, this is obviously a few of my notes kind of feed into this but what do you think of this idea that the rotaran crew are basically depressed and demoralized they're convinced in some cases that the ship is cursed. Some of them are, you know, giving that spiel about how the Jem'Hadar are better because they're soulless creatures and they don't fight for anything. So they don't have to worry about honor. And that's, you know, that's what mm-hmm. makes them stronger and to be afraid. <laughs> yeah, so. that, yeah, that's an, an interesting thing to think about. But the only thing, this is just how my mind works. I'm like, well, what happened to the previous commanding officer of the Rotaran? Like, well, what happened to this guy? We never hear about him. Like, uh oh, did he get put yeah. out in the airlock like before? Like, what happened? Well, what happened no, to- if, he, if he got killed by one of the crew, then they would be in command. So, I know the only, that's why I didn't the only thing it. that would make sense would have literally never thought about it till you said it. The only thing that makes sense would be that the previous commanding officer was killed in battle. And again, maybe right, that's right. why they're like, well, we're cursed because even our captain got killed, you know. Something, yeah. But I was thinking, well, no, you know, I'm pretty sure that Leskit just put him out of airlock. And so then they needed Martok and they didn't, they're kind of sad that they got Martok. <laughs> well, seeing that, I mean, it's the Klingons. Maybe they literally just transferred him somewhere, you know. He was half decent and they were like, don't go on that cursed bird of prey. Come over here to this great, glorious battle cruiser. That's true, well, but I mean, the high command. Martok, you'll be gone for a while. Right. That's funny. Oh. Poor Martok. He had to go through so yeah. much. I do like this idea because it's very, it, it doesn't seem like it might be the case when you've lived life, you realize though that these tensions just erupt and eventually just burn into fighting each other. And even though it's got nothing to do with that, I really appreciate that scene because it's like, it's it's not even about what's being said. He is like offended about, oh, the Jem'Hadar are better than us, but such and such has no honor and whatever else. And I'm like, but it's not about that. It's just like literally this one guy's mouthing off and this other guy's like, oh, I now have an excuse to just 
punch you because <laughs> you're so tense. And I'm like, yep, I can, I can, I've been in situations like that, you know? Right. Yeah. But the one, the, the guy that finally blew, blew his lid was Cornyn, right? And he was the one, oh, he's know. always like kept in the dark shadows. Like he was always supposed to kind of be an unknown element. I always feel like, cause I mean, he was just kind of a dark, you know, darkness exudes from him and he finally just blew up at this loudmouth guy. And you know, that's going to happen. I was I was hurt when it comes to that character because I know the actor uh, Rick Worthy who plays uh -huh. him, mm -hmm. and I recognised him as being one of the Equinox crew from yeah, Voyager. I so know. I couldn't I couldn't take him seriously as that character because even through the makeup I was like, "You're just Ensign What's his face." Yeah. That one. <laughs> oh, that's such a good Voyager episode. Of course, now I want to go watch that. You know. <laughs> well, we're not. We're talking about Klingons, down. <laughs> My poor brain. Now I'm thinking about the equinox. Oh, what a darkness. Okay. But um, yeah. But yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, you know, we needed to have that. We needed to have that, you know, and it yeah. needs to show that Jadzia needs to go to Warp and say, you're not paying attention because you, you care about Martok and Martok is having this problem and you need to get your act together and take a look around at your team. This is your crew. You know, yes. you need to see what you're not looking. Open your eyes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. I was just going to say that because I think it's it's kind of the episode isn't shy of pointing out that Worf is blindly just following Martok because of the bond they have. And mm -hmm. it's a mistake. So I think that's another good reason why you have Jadzia there. She gives you mm -hmm. that outside perspective, but mm -hmm. also she really has to be the one to say to Worf to like basically metaphorically shake him and be like, open your flipping eyes, man. Right. <laughs> you know, exactly. Exactly. Because um, she's so experienced uh, with all of her other hosts and, and Curzon's knowledge of, of, of the Klingons. But it's interesting to me because Worf was in the internment camp with Martok and he still mm -hmm. wants to protect him in a way. And it takes this experienced woman uh, who knows so much, who he loves and trusts, uh, mm -hmm. this scientist, you know, this warrior scientist person who loves him to bring him back to reality. And he has to look around and become the Klingon. He's always supposed to be. He's not just, you know, Starfleet. He has to reach down into himself and do something about Martok and to save Definitely. the ship and the crew. Yeah. I think as well, though, there's a very brief scene, which is a perfect example of it's the opposite of what I was saying earlier about clunky exposition, because there's a great scene which kind of clues you in that Jadzia knows her stuff when it comes to Klingon, you know, culture and law. And it's when she goes into the mess hall and just literally throws the guy off her chair and says, like, yes. look, maybe you didn't see the crew manifest. This is my chair. You go down there where you belong and yeah. stop being a jerk. Yeah. Right. Well, I love how she calls it a garbage scow. Like she's like first <laughs> officer on this garbage scow. And then she shows them that she knows her gawk. It's barely. Yeah, it's moving. not very fresh. Yeah. No, it's not fresh. <laughs> and then she's like, "Well, I mean, maybe it'll go with some blood wine." And they all I like, brought some blood wine from the station. Ah, oh, I would never insult someone that brought me blood wine. Yes, <laughs> but then so. it turns out that was a mistake because they all got yes, drunk and fought. <laughs> Damn drunken Klingons! Never trust a ship full of drunken Klingons. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Unless never they're happy and they're singing full. victory songs, then it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but I love that as well because. Um, I love the way that they use the Klingon Warriors Anthem, whatever you want to call it, to to literally emphasize where the status of the ship is and the crew is on the ship, because it's when they first start. 
you know, yeah. when they first take in command and they're, they're mm -hmm. singing it, Worf and Martok are singing it. None of the crew are joining in except maybe one or two very half-arsed. They don't really care. And then at the very end, when kind of normality's been restored and Martok's got his glory and his honor back, they're loudly like, yes. we, we've done it. We had a success. Yay. Yes. So, um, yeah, yeah I, I love that. You know, again, simple economical storytelling, but it gets your point across and, and does a good job, I think. Mm -hmm. um, Agreed. I do. I do want to quickly talk about um, this idea that Worf, what Worf does for Martok, that he does challenge him, but Worf, he, it's quite apparent that he doesn't really want to take the captaincy. He's mm -hmm. doing it for Martok, mm -hmm. and it is to me. It's it's another example of like one of the reasons I love Worf as a character is that even if it's not the most obvious or the easiest way, he will always do what's actually the most honourable thing to do. Yeah. So. In this instance, the Klingons might look down on him and be like, oh, why would you want to lose? That's dishonorable, cowardly. And it's like, no, it's the more honorable thing would be that he wanted to restore the honor of someone. And he even says at the end, you did the same for me once. You saved my life. So I had to do the same for you. you know? <laughs> so I love that. And I love that Jack Dax's response perfectly to that is sometimes I know why I love you. It's like, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, they yeah. really are. They really do know each other. They really know each other's each other very well and i i agree i just love yeah. the martok wharf relationship yeah i was just gonna say and then to cement that with martok literally offering wharf acceptance into his house <laughs> such a sweet if, as somebody that's been following these characters for so long it's so important in such a sweet moment and you're just kind of like oh wow, really wharf finally finally, <laughs> finally really place to build. yeah that's yeah. really really touching i i mean you, you just can't watch it enough it's a great great scene Absolutely, absolutely. So that was all the notes I had on the writing and the plot. So did you have anything else you wanted to mention? <laughs> no, I mostly said everything with my comments. Cool, cool. cool. Uh, well, the next thing I want to look at was the acting in the episode. So obviously the, the main sort of thing that we should talk about would be Michael Dorn as Worf. So what did you think of, uh, of him in this episode? Yes, very strong. Michael Dorn, very strong. Uh, so many different directions that he has to go. Very focused, very good acting. Yeah, good mm. job, Michael Dorn. I agree. I think he, he's very good at showing Worf's affection towards Martok without it being over the top or without it being worn on his sleeve, I guess. And um, he's always good at displaying Worf's kind of like Klingon cultural pride, even as somebody that's torn between Klingons and Starfleet or whatever else. So you, do, you get a real sense that he's carrying a lot of this weight on his shoulders, I think. Yeah, um, he really is. I mean, it's true. I mean, he really does carry it. And he, he understands <coughs> people. He understands other people. And it really shines here. You know, he understands yeah. his wife. He understands um, Gen Zia. He understands Martok. Yeah. But you do get the sense as well, if, if you've been watching for a long time, that Martok is finally a Klingon that he's able to bond with. Because he's only ever really bonded with, like, humans or, mm -hmm. you know, members of other species, Trill, mm -hmm. whatever. And right. this is the first time he's, like, a Klingon that I can genuinely... You know, because he's never really known his Klingon family. His father died when he was born, basically. You know, right. he didn't spend that much time with his brother. And this is just finally like somebody who, who's an actual Klingon, you know? Yes, an actual honorable Klingon, too, because he knows yeah. the story of Doras and he knows um, the story of. Um, oh, why can't I think of him right now? You know the leader, Galron. Oh, he Galron. Knows, Galron. Yeah, he knows about Galron. He knows all about all these things. And he, Martok is different, isn't he? Martok is just yeah. different. He is the epitome of what you want in a a a, a warrior. Yeah, a, a mentor. Well, exactly. I mean, he's not treacherous. 
yeah, the first time I watched this, I think I was surprised at the ending where he's like, he he's not upset at Wolf for challenging him or anything, and he even sees what he did and was like, I, I saw what you did. How did you know I wouldn't kill you? And Wolf's like, I, I didn't, but I I owed you one. And then, like I said, the fact that he, it, regardless of all of this, you know, you've been dishonored, you've been discommendated a thousand times. I don't care. I want you in my house as a Klingon and as a brother. And it's like, oh. Also, we finally found somebody to to bond with, you know. So yeah, I love that. And I think Hertzler, JJ Hertzler, plays that really well as well. Because again, he has a journey in this episode from like cowardly, but I don't want to show it. To I'll show a little bit to Worf to like, thank you so much. I now I'm back to being a Klingon, and I'm welcoming you into my house. Yeah, <laughs> so, he he. Neat. Plus, you know, M- Martok needs that too. Martok needs a, a, a buddy, a pal, another honorable person. Why not bring an honorable person into your family? Because we don't know where Drex is. We don't know what's going on with this kid. So, I mean, Martok needs somebody like Worf and his family. Absolutely, definitely. And uh, so then that deals with the two Klingon characters. I have to ask about um, Terry Farrell next as Dax. What did you think of her? Yeah, she really got to show some range, didn't she? She got to be funny. She got to be touching. She got to be tough. She got to show her knowledge. I really liked that. Yeah, I love that she's just able to... She's never portrayed as anything less than just strong and capable, and she can hold her own even with the Klingons, like I said. You know, um, she basically... There's one scene that I've, I've phrased it really badly, but it's effectively like she gets called a whore because she's like dating Wolf or whatever. And she effectively calls the guy an incel back, like, oh, just because you've never, you know, <laughs> just because you, you've never had sex That's or whatever, right. you're virgin. Yeah, no, she says something like, during this trip, my bed is as empty as yours, Leskin. Right. That's the guy. <laughs> exactly, that's, yeah. And that's the old dude. You know, it's funny because you're supposed to like honor your elders and blah, blah, but he's being such a clown the whole thing that she finally puts mm. him in his place. Absolutely. And I I love that, like, in the middle of the fight, when anybody else would be, like, not knowing what to do or, or agonizing over it, she just literally just straight up phases the guy. <laughs> just no no questioning it whatsoever. No moment of hesitation. Just zap. Calm mm-hmm. down. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I love awesome. it. And, uh, yeah, I've mentioned already I liked I, – I think Conan was good at that depressed, gloomy menace that you mentioned, but I was distracted by the actor, um, unfortunately. And – I, I wish I'd looked up the actress's name, but I didn't. And uh, you know who I mean if I said the, the woman, the female Klingon? Tavana? It's so good because... Yeah, Tavana. Tavana that's the actress. Yeah, yeah well, we, we are... I'm sorry, I feel like I, I'll forget to say no, this. So no, no, say it now. I feel like we're supposed to like her right away because she, how mm. she bonds over the Curzon and her mom. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think we're supposed to like her and trust her. And that helped me in this episode because the other some of the others were so treacherous. Yeah, she's, she's a necessary a kind sunshine. of friend of Dax. Yeah, yeah, yeah she she's is. a little sunshine, and plus, she's serious, and she's kind of, uh, I guess, she's in charge of them because she tells them what to do. <laughs> so, of course, I. That's love what her. I was. That's what I was going to say. I think she's also a great sort of counterpart to Dax. Well, not even it's a similarity to Dax in that she mm-hmm. also stands up for herself in that moment that you mentioned earlier. It's really good when they're. They're basically trying to push back, and she's like, "Station, right? <laughs> I'm not taking any crap from you. Yep, <laughs> you not, not today, not today, baby. You go sit down. I got you. <laughs> but you go sit down. Exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yes, I love that. I do. Uh, I, I always love a strong woman, even if she's a Klingon. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought I thought good acting. I always feel like I wish there were a bunch of outtakes because you know that those characters have. <laughs> 
fun to messing up in those scenes and singing the song and all that stuff, you know, there's some good ones. Because they're all kind of like all cramped on a, you know, you, you wonder like how many days did they have to be on that set? These are, this mm. is just how my brain works. And, you know, they all became friends and they got to sing and all that stuff. And I wish I was there. Yeah. I want to go there. I want to go on the Karen. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to be on a Klingon bird of free. I think they, they, they get away with a lot because it's supposed to deliberately to be cramped and, and look crappy. But I was like, my word, the lighting and everything in here is so dull and it looks cramped and if it wasn't for the fact that you've literally said it's supposed to be like that, I would be like, this is just a cheap set because it's mm. so small and mm. there's nothing really to it. And I was like, yeah, you get away with it because in story terms, it's meant to be. But my word, it does really look like you'd hate to be there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would just yeah. literally walk onto a Klingon ship and be like, somebody turn the bloody lights on for a step. Well, I mean, <laughs> they don't spend their money there, do they? They have to have all that <laughs> weapons. It's like a submarine. You're not going to make yeah. it fancy and pretty. A submarine needs no. to keep you alive. So, I mean, Do its functional, it yeah, it's, yeah, it has to be, right? Absolutely. Plus, they need it, awesome. all their bat lists and stuff. So, that's where they spend their money. <laughs> they, <sure laughs> don't, they don't spend it on fresh gawk, that's for sure. <laughs> well, not on that ship, they bloody don't. <laughs> They're cursed. So, yeah, no, that's great. Uh, so, the next thing I was going to move on to then would be the direction. And I only literally have, like, four notes because, again, TV direction is kind of difficult to, to pin down because it's it's very much, you know, work for hire. But this is a LeVar Burton episode, so I think there is a lot of good stuff that he brings as, as a great director, as we mentioned. Um, so, yeah, throwing it over to you, uh, Adrienne, what did you – did you notice anything about the direction or anything you wanted to shout out? No, I don't – I don't LeVar Burton, but – I mean, I think probably a, a, a lot of the takes between the characters and to show like how much they care about each other or how much they hate each other. I think that that shows his expertise. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think it's it's all in the little glances and the moments that, and it's it's expertly built up tension that even if you're not consciously aware of it, you're feeling tense because, you know, something's about to go down. And, and mm-hmm. that's again, that's good direction that's helping you. Like, oh, where's the, the fight going to come from kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the fight scenes when they happen are all very well staged, whether it be the one in the Klingon mess hall or even, you know, Jadzia coming in, throwing that guy off the chair. But especially the fight between Worf and Martok, I was super impressed by, particularly when you think that they're using tiny ickle duck tag knives. <laughs> like they're not using yeah. battlets or anything. They're using little knives and you've got to get very mm-hmm. close quarters and, and it, never looks like they all if you've ever seen people try and fight with little knives it often mm. looks shocking because there's not a lot you can do but this mm. one i was like this is actually really well done it's staged well everyone's you know doing the right moves and everything nobody looks like they're not trying and uh, obviously we know the resolution is you know a wolf gets stabbed <laughs> so. right yeah in just the right place yeah, oh, exactly. oh good. <laughs> all he had to do was yeah. point and say hey remember right here right here <laughs> there's a couple of things like that that if, if you want to be nitpicky there's a couple of things that are very convenient and that's one of them and the other one is just I think I've made a note at somewhere earlier where I was like yeah we meet the female Klingon who's a friend and of course she's in a relationship with the other guy of course two of these people on this cursed ship are dating because sure we need even more drama you know? <laughs> well I mean I think that was supposed to be probably because she he'll come and say you know there's if there's going to be a mutiny they're on the same side i mean i guess yeah exactly yeah yeah. it it helps with that for sure yeah it does awesome um so do you have any kind of related but do you have any thoughts on the kind of special effects or the visual effects of the episode oh i thought it was i thought it was well done i love i I mean you know i I just like the episode i love the the ship 
and um, it didn't mm. seem like there was too many like blasting and everything like which is what I like to see how they set up the munitions <laughs> to blast and etc. But um, yeah, I liked it. Awesome. Yeah, I think the same. I, I love the design of the Klingon ships, uh, the two that we see here, and mm. uh, even the Jem'Hadar. I always call it the Jem'Hadar cockroach because that's what it kind of looks like. The it little attack. does. <laughs> to me, it looks like a, a a scarab, like an Egyptian scarab. Yeah. You know, like yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like the scarab. Yeah, the beetle yeah. ship. Right. <laughs> oh, that'll yeah, work. Beetle it's... ship. Yeah. yeah. I like it. <laughs> It's a great design, though, and the ships all look amazing because, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, at, at this point, it's the, the late 90s, of course, they do. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, I will say on, on a non-visual effects level, I do think some of the Klingon costumes look a little bit flimsy, and I think that might feed into the argument of, like, they don't look as intimidating because it doesn't look so much like armor as, as it should, and it's very, like... Yeah, that looks like you're just wearing, you know, a very bad cosplay that looks soft and, and spongy, I guess, <laughs> um, which is a shame because it's not intimidating. Right. But, you know, I get it. It's a TV budget. You've got to do what you can and you've got to make right. them all look different as well. Yeah, so yeah. You, know, you do have to make them look different. And you also kind of they're not, you know, their morale is low, so they're mm. not wearing their best. Yes, of no. course. Yeah, that makes sense, actually. They're, they're just sort of like, uh, I'm going to take off my armor. It's heavy. Uh, we're cursed anyways. <laughs> What's the point? <laughs> exactly. Right. On, a, on a sort of semi-related costume note, though, I did have one question. Why does Jadzia wear her Starfleet uniform throughout the episode? She's she's not like an attache from Starfleet. She's serving on the crew. So True. as Worf does, shouldn't she be yes. in like the Klingon uniform? <laughs> Yeah, because didn't she wear Klingon stuff when they, she went with Core in them and they were... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I mean, I don't know. That's a good point. We need to write yeah, in. I, yeah. I think it was probably more just like we want to feature something that looks Starfleet in the episode and... Mm -hmm. cause it, it could have been solved with a quick line of like, I'm serving as the science officer, but officially I'm like... I'm an attache to Starfleet mm -hmm. to see what's going on in this mission as, as our allies or whatever. Um, yeah. But yeah, anyway, it's it's such a nitpick, but I was just kind of like, <laughs> about halfway through, I was kind of like, yeah, she stands up, she's in uniform. Hang on, why is she in uniform again? <laughs> and not only in uniform, she changes because it gets covered in blood into the same uniform. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> now I have to rewatch it again to see. <laughs> you may have more... Uh, you may have more on this than me from the next section because I have literally nothing except I do like the Warriors anthem. Um, so do you have any other thoughts on the music and the sound in the episode? No, I, I love, I mean, I always talk about the music, like the uh, intimidating sound that they make when something, doom, the sound of doom and everything. This has real good music in it. And I love the singing at the end, especially. Definitely. Yeah. I think it's, um, I hadn't noted this, but it, I kind of thought of it as you were mentioning it. It kind of feeds into the Klingon, you know, tense submarine atmosphere because it's mm -hmm. often, it's often just quiet or you hear the odd yeah. little background slight clang or whatever. And yeah. it's kind of like, this isn't a kind of happy Starfleet, you know, mm -hmm. talking in the background, not some bleeping noises. It's like deathly silence and then the odd clang of metal and you're like, Ooh. Oh, it's tense on here. So yeah, yeah. This well. is, this isn't a strange new world, and we're having uh, yummy food in the captain's quarters. I mean, this <laughs> is like, this is really well, serious. Because yeah. you know, Martok is not present on mm. the bridge a lot of the time because he's trying to recover from his trauma, and, and you know, he's trying to let Worf bond with the crew or whatever. But that's part of it. You know, they're just not. Yeah disciplined and they're finding their feet and going in so yeah it's very claustrophobic and there's no captain 
I think Martok knows exactly what he's doing. That's the thing. I think he he would never admit to being afraid, but I think the reason that he's never really on the bridge and, and holed up in his quarters or ready room or whatever is because he kind of knows and he knows that he would, you know, be threatened and would be called out. But he also he's kind of almost manipulating Wolf because he knows that he would he owes him one and he would kind of believe him. So he's he kind of justifies him. He gives him the clarity he needs of like oh look Wolf I'm just saying that for this reason don't don't you understand and knowing full well that Wolf's going to be like I guess okay you know? mm, interesting yeah I hadn't thought of that yeah but he's yeah. you know he it's just about trust Martok needed to bring aboard someone he trusted yeah. and that trusted him and has honor I mean that's exactly why he did that and Jadzia exactly. of course I mean I think that was brilliant <laughs> yeah awesome Cool. Uh, so do you have any other thoughts or should we move to our favourite character moment and line in the episode? Yeah, let's go. Awesome. Spark, analysis. Uh, well, you're the guest, so I always go to the guest first. So uh, who is your favourite character, first of all, in this episode? Well, I it was a place for, um, for Worf to shine, to show leadership. Um, at the, in the end, you know, to make those hard decisions. But of course, I go with Martok just because I love him. And uh, I think it's great. Uh, Jensia had had her moments, but she has so many. So I'm going to give this one to to Michael Dorn and his acting. Oh, you said Martok. So you changed your mind. <laughs> oh well, no. I I love Martok. Is my favorite. Oh, what are we doing? Character or acting? What favorite character? character. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, that's kind of interchangeable. I guess Martok is my favorite character. Fair enough. I'll go the up. I do already have this written down, but I would go the opposite way, and I would say Wolf for okay. the reasons that I mentioned. I always love when it's like it, it shows how honourable he is in in sometimes unusual or surprising ways. And again, he gets the actual depth of decompressing from that internment camp and having to be the one that stands up for Martok and allows himself to be, you know, knocked down a peg and hurt and whatever because he feels he owes him, and then. It's nice to finally see, because we've put up with Worf being knocked down and still getting nothing for it. It's nice to see him actually get rewarded for that at the end of this episode by getting a house back. So instead of it being like, Worf, you were honourable and you stood up for us, but we're kicking you out and your father's been dishonoured. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> Give him a break. I know. You know? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. So, yeah, one Martok and one Worf. And uh, what was your favourite moment or scene in the episode? It's... um the very end when Martok brings in, you know, offers him that to, to join um, the strength of the house of Martok. I mean, that was touching, best yeah. scene. Yeah, so important for the whole storyline of both these Klingon warriors. Yeah, I, I almost yeah. went with that, but in the end, I went with the actual climactic fight. Because so, I say, I think the fight scene itself was so well choreographed and staged. It was. It was. It looked fully believable, and as I said, culminating in Wolf. Yeah. You kind of knew Wolf didn't lose, lose. He kind of let himself kind of take the hit. And so culminating with that and then with Jadzia's kind of, I, I know why I love you, you did a, a great thing oh, here yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. It's so sweet as well. And the so, funny yeah. thing to think of is in the moment, you know, <laughs> Martok's like, okay, now I have to tell Sorella that I just brought Worf into the family. Okay, let's see. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get some blood wine over here. And <laughs> maybe, maybe she wants a new targ. So. <laughs> Gonna be like, look, I am the king in this house, and and what? And you have every right to know, my queen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you think of like how she when when she came and we first meet her, she's way above him. Like she's walking off the she she's walking off the ship, 
and Marduk and Cisco are down below and she just looks down at them. You know what I mean? Like, you know, she's in charge. Well, so. under her first words in that episode, she literally walks in and the first thing she says after not seeing Martok for like months, if not years, she just looks down and goes, you've gotten fat. <laughs> <laughs> and her hair is gray. Oh, yeah. He plays and it off so well. Oh, he His her. great response of like, I shall endeavor to die this yeah. year if possible. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> Love it. Yep. Gotta love Klingon arguments, but yeah, fair <laughs> enough. So, <laughs> so what is your favorite line then in the episode? Um, well, um, I kind of like when um I didn't write it down, but um oh no, I'm I'm confusing my let me think of it. I'm confusing my episodes. That, go ahead to... with yours. Yeah, go ahead with yours. I'll, I'll give you mine first then just to give you time to think because I know sometimes you get to go off guard. So my, mine is a line from Martok, which I think perfectly sums up without explicitly saying it where his mental state is. Uh, it's quite a long one, but it's just when he basically says, they are soulless creatures, Worf, fighting for no goal, no purpose except to serve the founders. They take no pleasure in what they do. Nothing is glorified, nothing affirmed. To the Jem'Hadar, we are nothing more than targets to be destroyed. I must not allow them to destroy us, Worf. I must, mm. and then just gets cut off because I was like, that is exactly where mm -hmm. it all comes to a head. And you kind of realize he's afraid, but he's justifiably like, yeah. you know, this isn't just cowardice. This is like, he's afraid because he senses like, yeah, there's no glory, no. And, and again, it feeds into that great line earlier about the Cardassians you can respect. Everything's a game. They were always chasing ghosts and whatever. And mm -hmm. it was an honor to fight them. Whereas the Jem Hadar, there's just nothing there. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I love that because he's he's also exposing his vulnerability to Worf. He's confessing. He's <laughs> confiding. It's not something that you would expect. And that's a great not line. from a Klingon, yeah. Yeah, you wouldn't, you exactly. wouldn't. But it kind of shows that he did really get traumatized and when he was there battling everybody. But I'm just gonna go with how we learn about um, Worf's moment of weakness because when you watch those episodes and you see Worf getting beat to a pulp by the different Jem'Hadar soldiers, I'm gonna go with what he said to Cisco about his moment. Um, Chadich? I don't mean the Tovak no. Dok Bond. Yeah, yeah. Tovak Dok. Yeah, that's right. Not Chadich. Sorry, I was I was distracted because yeah. I was just remembering like completely counter to what everybody says in this episode about the Jem Hadar. I really love that moment in those episodes, which I know we're not talking about, but when Worf's just constantly getting back up, even though he's getting beaten oh. to absolutely a pulp, yes. and then the Jem Hadar out of nowhere just goes, "I yield. I can't defeat this Klingon. All I can do is kill him." I and love that. No longer that. holds my interest. I'm and like, that no longer oh. holds my interest. That's right, because he sees. <laughs> And he gets like this little tinge for a moment. Now, hold on. This guy's, he's real. He's going to fight us and then yeah. he's going to die. Yeah. I i want to go watch those episodes right now, of course. I can kill him, but I'll never have broken his spirit. Yeah, that's so really, good. Who will yeah. have won, you know? <laughs> yeah. I used to know the names of all my favorite Jim Hadar, like Ometiclan and I was gonna all say they all have names like Romaticlan and yes, Ometiclan and Janakaclan. They're, they're four syllables. Chaka Khan. Yeah, Chaka Khan. <laughs> oh. Well, that's funny. That's you mean funny. to tell me there's not a gem Hadar called Chaka Chaka Khan? <laughs> oh god. Maybe someone will tell tell us what we want to do. No, but I'm gonna have to Photoshop that at some point now. Yeah, we do. <laughs> I, I used to know the names of all my favorites. Now I have to go back and watch all of Deep Space Nine. It's just the best. It's the best podcast <laughs> to do it. Just motivates me to sit and watch more Star Trek. 
always. That's what we're here for. Awesome. Well, um, I will come back to us for our conclusion and score out of five. But first, I have to go to the audience response, which we do have a few of. Uh, so I will do what I geekily call the subspace communication section. Incoming transmission. Before I jump into the uh, thoughts from people in our Facebook groups and things, uh, I did note that uh, upon researching this episode, in 2016, The Hollywood Reporter ranked this episode 10th in their best episodes of Deep Space Nine list. So, top 10. Yay! <laughs> Wow, I didn't uh, know that. Well done. I didn't either, but yeah, well done. Hollywood Reporter uh, going for it there, blaming it. Uh, right, so... <laughs> <It's> <laughs> on uh, <laughs> on uh, Twitter, we got one response from Thomas Labanick, who says, I enjoyed it. I liked the plot. I enjoyed getting to see more of Klingon ship life and Worf helping Martok get his mojo back. Yep, fully. Agreed. Uh, these are all from the Facebook groups now. Lynn N. Ian Murdoch says, I really liked the situation Worf found himself in, his leader suffering paralyzing fear. He must overcome his loyalty to the man and do the greater good. He challenges him and could take him, but lets him win when he realizes his fear has passed, saving his honor. Luckily, Worf lives and Martok honors his help by making him part of his family. Jadzia was obviously the woman behind her man, helping him become the best he could be. Yeah, these are all fair points, I think. Um, Tom Roylance. <laughs> Tom Roylance, as you actually put a picture of the Klingons entering the bar, was just the, the screenshot that I used. And he says, the dude on the left, the costume department should be ashamed for putting that miserable excuse of a Klingon uniform on screen. And what's with the hair? Westmore must have been out sick that week. That's funny. A little more harsh than I was, but I see where you're coming from. Uh, uh, Ryan Levenger says, Klingon episodes are always fun, and this one was no exception. I love to see Worf struggle with the meaning of honor and how to live it out. It was also fun seeing life in a Klingon ship, plus Jadzia letting her inner Klingon out. Finally, the Klingon battle song was so much fun. Alternate episode title, How Martok Got His Groove Back. That's a good one. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And finally, Geo Klingon Hutchinson, a great name, says, it's good to see the internal politics on the ship when things are not well, a ship being cursed like that. Worf and Martok. Worf was covering for Martok, his cowardly actions from PTSD, and he was scared of the Dominion. And in the end, Worf had to bring Martok back to the present by challenging his command and letting him win and showing he's a worthy commander. Aww. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, just a few thoughts on this episode, as I say. So, but if, hopefully, if you were listening along, you may have been prompted to go back and watch it. It's only 45 minutes, so give it another look. And uh, so, yeah, we finally come to our conclusion and our score out of five. And uh, Adrienne, as the guest, are you happy if we come to you first? Yes, yes. I'm giving this a 4.3. Oh, wow. Very specific. And uh, any particular reasons why? It just works. It just works for my brain. So 4.3 is a very high score. So, yeah, um, bear with me. I'm just trying to get my, my ducks in a row here. So, yeah, my, my uh, conclusion is quite long and pompous, as it always is. So apologies after after Adrian's very succinct way of putting it. Uh, I said this was a long overdue insight into both the Klingons and the characters of Worf and Martok. In yet another example of serialized storytelling, this is the necessary coda to In Purgatory Shadow and By Inferno's Light. Mm -hmm. For a Klingon episode, it's a little bit tame. The crew seem a bit less intimidating than they probably should and tolerate Martok far longer than is strictly believable. But their status as beaten down, depressed pessimists may excuse this. Uh, it's also not very believably Klingon, though. 
That said, the acting is great, particularly from the key trio of Hertzler, Dawn, and Farrell. As a fan of Worf, I probably like this episode a little more than some because of its importance to his character and continuing arc. But I would understand DS9 fans feeling a bit shortchanged at the lack of anything for the majority of the cast to do. For me, it's an interesting diversion to a culture that interests me, with some pivotal character moments really selling the somewhat flimsy story. It's these moments that give me the sense of Trek pride in viewing honourable heroic acts and true bonding, a mild success, or should I say... Kapla. And I give it 3.5 out of 5. Nice. Love it. So if we add those scores together and share them by two, since there's two of us, uh, Soldiers of the Empire comes out with a final score of 3.9 out of 5. So just outside of uh, number four out of five. So yeah, very good. I think suffice to say, we can, uh, we can say that's a hit and recommended. So... Awesome. Have you enjoyed uh, being able to rewatch the episode with me this weekend? Yeah, it's really fun to um, do a deep dive like this. I like doing it with books. But, um, that takes longer. I really, but I like being able to focus on an episode and just write my own notes and draw about everything from my Star Trek experience and do something like this. So this was a great one for that. Thank you so much That's for the invite. Awesome. I, no, thank you for jumping in. It was you had like a day and you came with all of your own like takes on it your thoughts and opinions and your notes and you did the work so i can't be uh i couldn't be happier and i uh, couldn't be more grateful <laughs> we say, so yeah thanks. luckily i already i know the episode and and it, it was a, a one of my favorite series of course deep space nine so uh we're, we're always safe there <laughs> awesome awesome uh right well so yeah all I, all I can do is say thank you so much again you will be hearing adrian again so uh stay tuned Yay. to the podcast as i said we're on a little break now but we're hoping to come back with a top 10 in a few weeks and then resume the remaining five episodes of this season looking at klingon episodes and a movie which one could it be i think we all probably know so <laughs> join, us, join us for that later in the year and keep an eye on our socials and everything in the meantime you can find all our links via the link trees and various things that are in the episode description uh, Adrienne, do you have anywhere people can find you that you'd like to shout out? Yes, I am still on Twitter, that toppling bird of uh, uh, oh, up there. Jeez. But I am A.L. Park Tucker 2. And uh, sorry about the politics. Yeah, and you can always join our Discord, uh, which I think is growing a little bit as, as things develop. And uh, as I said, we're on other sites. Twitter is kind of falling apart worse than the Rotaran before <laughs> Martok took his groove back. So <laughs> we, can, we can be found on Mastodon, Facebook, Instagram, everywhere. So keep an eye on our link tree in the description for that. Awesome. And uh, yeah, join us again. As I said, the next thing that you will probably be seeing from us will hopefully be a top 10, which I can now reveal will be top 10 alien spaceships Ooh. we've done our top 10 starfleet so we're looking at the top 10 alien and uh, it feeds into this series that will basically be classed as an episode of it because i have a feeling at least one or two klingon ships might turn up in that list so we'll wait and see and uh, oh, yeah. yes they will if i if i have <laughs> anything to do with it <laughs> well you'll be on it don't worry <laughs> so there you go so, uh, yeah, all that remains is for me to say thanks again, Adrian. Thank you for joining us for this uh, first half of the season, if you have. Uh, do always, you know, like, share, spread the word around, and uh, keep enjoying Star Trek. And, yeah, uh, we'll see you back here. In the meantime, though, do remember, we are Starfleet. Live long and prosper. Kapla! Live long and prosper. Kapla! You have been listening to the Hit or Miss Star Trek podcast, hosted by Michael Wilson and DK. Created, produced, and edited by Michael Wilson. Additional material produced by DK. Music by Timeless Journey. More information can be found at soundcloud.com forward slash timelessjourney. 
The Hit or Miss Star Trek podcast is based on an idea by Michael Wilson and Will Templar. Follow the podcast on Instagram at Home Star Trek Podcast or look for the Hit or Miss Star Trek podcast under Facebook groups. Links to all our social media accounts and more are in this episode's description. This podcast is available on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Just look for Silver Screen Hit or Miss Star Trek. This has been a Mike's Podcast production, copyright 2022. Thank you for listening.